The John Campia Show, in association with Designing Hollywood, presents... Welcome to the Designing Hollywood Podcast. I am your host, Robert Meyer Burnett. The Designing Hollywood Podcast is dedicated to all things movies, the movie industry, and its talented professionals. Thank you to our sponsor, Fox Studios Costumes. We have something a little different for you today. We have a pilot, an aerial coordinator, and an all-around... I mean, I'm impressed because anybody that can fly jets, planes, blows me away. And he is a second-generation pilot, I believe. And he will tell us about working on Top Gun Maverick, which opens at the end of May. A film that I've seen, a film that is incredible, and wait till you see it. He started logging flight time at the early age of 14 and accumulated his ratings as quickly as he could. By the time he was 18... He was a commercially rated helicopter and multi-engine fixed-wing pilot, logging time in everything from King Airs to Hueys. He's an accomplished ATP-rated pilot in a multitude of fixed-wing and rotorcraft and works heavily in the motion picture and television industries worldwide, coordinating and directing film sequences in the air and on the ground. He is a member of SAG and the Motion Picture Pilots Association. Without further ado, it is our great pleasure to welcome Kevin LaRosa II to the Designing Hollywood Show. Kevin, great to have you, sir. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? It I, is a pleasure to be on Designing Hollywood. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I, you know, I'm, I've, I, I am such a fan of, of a lot of the work that you've done. And as I was telling you before we started, I've seen Top Gun Maverick, which I think sets a benchmark in Hollywood history. I have never. I mean, a lot was made of of how long it took to prepare the actors. And, of course, Tom Cruise always wants to go for that realism, and you had to build camera rigs to put in the cockpits. But I have never seen aerial photography like it. we see it on this film. And, I mean, it's, it's as groundbreaking to me as when I saw Star Wars when I was a little kid. I mean, but it was done for real. And I have to ask you, I mean, as some, some people would ask a magician, how, how did you do that? Well, it takes a village, um, <laughs> and there's nothing more true than that with aerial cinematography. Uh, my role, as you uh, so eloquently put it, is an aerial coordinator, motion picture stunt pilot and camera pilot. My job on Top Gun Maverick was to help not only plan all of the aerial sequences, but ensure that they were dynamic and epic and setting the bar as far as what the industry had already seen previously, and then obviously the safety of it all. Um, but one of my favorite parts and things to do is bring together an aerial team. Um, obviously, Mr. Cruz, Tom had uh, an amazing hand in making sure that what we were going to create was groundbreaking. Um, and what I love about Tom is, um, you know, he he really gives you that freedom and, and energy and he wants you to produce the best product possible. And he's so ingrained and involved um, and so helpful in that. So we bring together an amazing team. And in this movie, um, when I'm flying the camera ships, it's either an L-39 Cinejet, which is a really fun jet to fly, uh, and we also used a Phenom 300. It's a modified private jet with two shot-over camera systems on it. And, of course, we flew the helicopter uh, throughout the movie in all of the locations. But every time I'm flying those aircraft, I am, a, uh, I am basically putting that aircraft in the right position so that we can compose a shot. And I have a gentleman on board, one of two in this movie. We had two aerial DPs, David B. Knoll and Michael Fitzmaurice. 
Both of them incredible aerial director photographies worked directly for Claudia Miranda, the DP of the movie. Uh, and both uh, the DPs and myself basically became an extension of uh, Joe Kaczynski, the director, once in the air. Um, and it really is a well-orchestrated ballet between your aerial coordinator and camera pilot and those aerial DPs. Um, I need to get the aircraft in the right position. They need to be able to operate the gimbal and compose that shot uh, and, and make something incredible. And us together um, are supported by a massive team of mechanics and crew chiefs and safety folks. Um, really, the aviation community would understand this. It, it does, like I said, take a village with a, a giant support structure. And I'm deeply indebted to all the folks that made the flying possible in the movie. Um, I just am lucky enough to be the one in the cockpit driving, and, and that's really fun. Well, before we do our deep dive into Top Gun Maverick, I want to talk about your past. Um, your father, Mr. the senior in uh, Bunch, was a veteran movie pilot also, working on movies like Independence Day and went back to even John Carpenter's movie Starman. And you shared in a previous interview that your whole life has been growing up in the Warbird community, that you grew up flying aircraft with your dad. And with that said, when did you decide to go into the movie business? How did you how did you find your your way into uh, motion pictures? I love this question, Rob, because it, it I feel like you know I love when people set their eye downstream so early on and go, "This is what I'm going to do," and it's unwavered, and and that was me, and I and I was very lucky that I had a dad who helped me do it. Um, I'm third generation pilot, actually. My oh, wow. My grandfather flew C-97s and P-51 Mustangs uh, and uh, was an incredible guy. Unfortunately, um, lost in action uh, uh, after or, or during a conflict. We don't know a whole lot about it. Um, but an amazing guy, and that's what gave my dad the bug to become an aviator. My dad is a very well-known uh, Hollywood stunt pilot, as you said, uh, was one of the pilots that flew Airwolf. And he's worked on hundreds of motion picture films. So... When, when I'm a little boy and I'm watching my dad, who's my hero, out there doing this incredible thing, right? We're mixing aviation with creativity and we're creating these awesome images, whether it's flying a camera ship or a picture ship, you can see on, you know, see the aircraft in the movie. I was mesmerized and I was glued to it. I loved it. Um, and I knew from a very young age that that is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, one thing my dad tells me, you know, as a little boy, not only was I, you know, running around the house with little helicopters and airplanes and jets making <laughs> making noises and having a good time, but I would do so usually with their old camera recorder, and I wanted to look through the eyepiece and fly the aircraft on camera as a little boy. Um, wow. And they, they knew then. They're like, man, this, this kid's going to be an aerial coordinator and camera pilot. Um, my analogy for my entire career and growing up as a teenager and, you know, early in my 20s is I was foaming at the mouth to get started. I could not wait to be in this industry. Um, and my dad, although supportive of it, uh, in the true sense, gave me the best advice anybody's ever given me. And that is, I could not just be a Kevin LaRosa Jr. Cause I was just his son. And if you want to be an amazing stunt pilot and you want to have credibility, uh, Rob, you know, as well as I do, you have to be your own person with your own experience, especially mm -hmm. with the stuff that we do. So he uh, told me I had to leave the industry. And as a teenager, I'm driving fuel trucks and ferrying helicopters and airplanes around. And that's not what a, a young teenager who loves that industry wants to hear. But I took my dad's advice and I did many other jobs, amazing jobs. I flew news helicopters and traffic watch airplanes. So I did all these other things. I flew uh, private jets, uh, 
and I flew medical helicopters, um, but I always kept one foot in. Um, you know, on my vacation days and on my off days, I was always flying with my dad or for my dad on movies. So I never left it completely. But then there was a point, I believe, when I was about 25 or 26, and I think I had about 4,500 hours mixed between jets and helicopters. And uh, I just knew that I was getting busy and I couldn't make both jet careers work. And I had to make a decision. And uh, that's when I made the leap of faith. And I never looked back. It was a very profound, memorable moment. I know where I was when I made that decision. I think I have the experience that I need. I followed my dad's best advice. And now it's time for me to make this leap of faith and leave a very cushy full-time job and be an independent contractor for the studios with no guarantee of work. Um, and I remember making that decision. I was actually on a movie in Atlanta. I believe I may have jumped up and down on the hotel room bed and yelled a little bit, mostly in fear and <laughs> excitement. Uh, but that's that's the moment I remember. Um, and, and from there, I've never looked back. And it's just been a love story of mine to be in this industry. I love everything aviation. You mentioned Warbirds. I was extremely fortunate to grow up uh, with a father who was into Warbirds. We had a T6 at one point, a T28. We owned a North American P-51 Mustang for about seven years. You owned um, a Mustang, the Cadillac like of the sky? I, we sure did. We had a beautiful, completely polished Mustang. It had my grandfather's uh, bureau number on it and stars and stripes. It was a, uh, it was beautiful. And you know, back then as a teenager, I'd fly in it all the time with my dad on the weekend, and I didn't have the appreciation nowadays knowing what I was flying. And I was flying in a piece of history, and uh, you know, as a teenager, that was the weekend car. It just seems crazy to me. But uh, I have a love for that airplane. It's my favorite airplane. So that's it's, my um, short story there. I remember seeing. Um when I saw Spielberg's Empire of the Sun, which came out in 85, it has, it, it, it has scenes with P, a P, P-51s when they attack this Japanese um, airfield. And, and Christian Bale is a child. It's his favorite airplane as well. And he reaches up. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but uh, oh, yeah. it, it's spectacular. And uh, you got to live, like you said, the P-51, what a plane. I love that you brought that scene up. I, I hope it does the same thing to you, but whenever I see that, I get goosebumps. The slow-mo shot of the Mustang going by and the sound, there's just nothing oh, better. It's amazing. Yeah, that, and I just, it's, I just love that sequence. When I was a kid, you know, I was telling you I built a lot of model planes, and, and my favorites were like the P-51 was my favorite prop plane, and then I loved Phantoms, what, F, F4, F4, F4s? Yep, Phantoms, F4 Phantom. F4 Phantoms, and then the the – the Tomcat, you know, I love the F-14. Um, and I, I love the MiG-25 Foxbat, but that was a that was a Russian plane, and I wasn't supposed to like it as much as I did, but it was cool. <laughs> but so so you, you you when you were growing up, were you a movie, you, you probably were, were you a big movie fan? I love the movies, uh, and I still love movies. I love that entertainment, and I love immersing myself in movies um, and the story and, and the way they make you feel. So I feel like I'm just so fortunate because I'm an aviation buff. I love everything aviation. So to be able to mix two of my favorite things together is an absolute dream come true. Do you have favorite, like when I think back, like the helicopter attack on the village in Apocalypse Now, and you know they famously used the Philippine Air Force, and then when they were filming it, they had to go put down an insurrection and all the helicopters is a great moment in the Hearts of Darkness documentary where Coppola is watching his helicopters fly away so they can't do the scene. But do you have favorite uh, sequences, aerial sequences in films? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you just you just took mine. Um, I no. mean, Apocalypse Now is hugely iconic. I love that's so for helicopters. I mean, that and some of the stuff you know I've watched my dad do over the years in Airwolf. Um, uh, let's see another one. Uh, just just fun iconic aviation films. There's one called Always, which is about fire bombers. That was that um, Spielberg I've also directed that movie. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, I've loved that movie forever. And of course the A26 in there and that airplane is beautiful and, and amazing. Um, but no, I mean, it, I feel like every time I watch a movie from a kid to now, and the same as with my dad, you know, when we see an aviation sequence or we see a camera flying through the air, we look at it and we, we appreciate what goes into those shots. We know it goes into those shots and, and we love them. We look at them and go, well, that's great. I'd love to do something like that or better than that. Or that was beautiful. Who did that? And, it's just a it's a small industry, so we have lots of respect for our fellow colleagues. It's great. One of the things you know, movies have always, as new technologies are developed, we like CG, for instance, being able to see dinosaurs, like in Jurassic Park. But camera technology, uh, gyroscopes, and uh, those kinds of things have made what you guys can capture on camera a lot more dynamic. You can do things now that you couldn't do twenty, thirty years ago. And I'm I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about that because a lot of that you know, Tom Cruise had to figure out well how are we gonna and you did too how do you, how are you how do you put cameras into the cockpit of a of, of a Hornet you know and and uh, what has that been like watching the development of aerial photography since you've been in the business? It's a great question. Um, it's uh, I feel like the development has been somewhat on par, but then I saw a lapse and a bit of a pause mostly with the fixed wing jet side of it again i was very lucky enough and fortunate to start flying camera jets at a very young age i think it was 21 um and i got linked with a company called wolf air aviation um they're an incredible family they've been doing amazing work for years and years and i learned so much flying their jet um, but that was my link into camera jet flying at a very young age but to answer your question um i did see a lapse by the time we knew Top Gun Maverick was going to become a real thing. Uh, I knew something needed to be done. And you've heard Tom Cruise come out and say this multiple times. Yeah. He wasn't going to make the sequel until there was a story worth being told. And I love that. And once there was a story worth being told, we needed to make sure we had the technology to tell it. Um, so segue back to my department. Um, yeah, I was doing another film with Tom years ago. Um, this is 2015, 2016. And I remember him talking to me and he said, Kev, you know, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do it all real. Everything's going to be real. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I also, from that moment on, I never stopped thinking. My gears were turning at that point, right? And I remember laying in bed, uh, this is 2016 at some point, saying, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And I was going through all these different designs and gimbals that were out there and, and all these different jet designs. I knew I needed something maneuverable. I needed something with good visibility and I needed something reliable. And I went through all these different jets that were readily available in the United States, and I landed upon the L-39. Now, the L-39 isn't the most powerful jet in the world, but it's readily available. It's very reliable. It's a very cool jet. It's very maneuverable. And it ended up giving me the freedom to put a gimbal where I wanted to put it on the jet. Um, and I designed in Microsoft Paint this picture of an L-39 with a shot over gimbal on it. And I remember telling my family at the time, I said, I'm going to build this. This is what I'm going to make. This is the jet that we'll do Top Gun Maverick with. 
Uh, and fast forward a year later um, with two amazing partners, by the way, Helen at Aviation and the Patriot Jet Team, and also shot over uh, for the work that they put into the gimbal. Sitting on a ramp is a beautiful jet that we call the L39 Cinejet. Uh, and this amazing platform became our uh, little high performance um, technology packed jet that allowed us to film these action sequences and get down low in these canyons and maneuver with these F-18s and create the dynamic images that we're all seeing in these trailers and previews right now. Um, and so that's a little bit of the story of the L-39 Cinejet. And, uh, and it, it was an incredible adventure. Well, I, I think, you know, because I don't know much about how this occurs. So you, you're going to make a movie like Top Gun Maverick. Obviously, these are military jets you need to use. You can't just, there's no civilian F-18s out there. So what's the first step? Do you call the Pentagon? Like, what, what, what do you do? You've got the script. You know you're going to have to have, I believe that the, the Navy cooperated with the first Top Gun. And how do you how do you uh, begin? Absolutely. How do you begin? They, I mean, they both movies had DOD support. I mean, I can't speak exactly on the ins and outs of how Paramount and and Jerry Bruckheimer and, and the studio initially reached out to the Navy. Sure. Uh, there's obviously a process for that, but I can tell you by the time I get the phone call, the Navy and the DOD is already well involved. Now, remember, the 1986 film was the single biggest recruiting effort for the United <laughs> States Navy. Yep. So I'm guessing the Navy is pretty excited about a potential sequel, right? There's some benefits. There's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship here. Oh, I'm I'm so a middle-aged guy. Like, I'm a middle-aged man, and when I saw Top Gun Maverick, the first thing I wanted to do was join up. I'm like, put me in, coach. I was going to tell you the only thing that almost stole me out of my unwavered plan was was Top Gun. I almost had to leave my plan as a little kid and become an F-14 pilot because of the movie. Um, that was the only thing that almost stole me away. But uh, by the time a guy like me gets a call, they're already ingrained, right? And they're saying, Kev, we want you to do the jet work on Top Gun. From there, my role kind of progressed and grew in, on the movie. Um, but one fun thing for me that I can tell you about is I got a call from a gentleman named um, uh, Brian Ferguson, call sign Ferg. Now, Ferg is uh, the biggest, most patriotic individual that you'll ever meet. He's an amazing aviator, uh, U.S. naval aviator. Um, and he was bestowed the duty, if you will, by the DOD to be in charge of Top Gun Maverick, of all things Navy. He was going to <laughs> schedule the assets, approve how we use the assets, schedule the pilots and maintainers. Ferg literally did everything. Um, and he did it amazingly. Uh, without a Ferg, there's not a Top Gun Maverick. So, Ferg, thank you for everything you did. Um, but what happened, Ferg didn't know me, and I got a call, and I had to fly up to Navy Fallon. Of course, Fallon now is the new fighter town usa it's no longer in miramar it's up in fallon nevada so we airlined up there with some of the producers and uh david Knoll, the aerial dp and i needed to go sit in a room uh which was at nautic the naval you know weapons training center uh very secure facility of course <clears throat> i'm geeking out as an aviator I'm, i can't believe where i am and how cool this is and in this building and talking to these guys and they basically this was an interview this was, uh, hey man, you're you're this younger guy, you're a civilian, and you want to do what around all of our jets? You know how are you <laughs> going to do this? Uh, and and I had to sit there and explain, you know, my background and how I've done it. And they they knew who I was, you know, and then the stuff that I'd done and accomplished. But it was a really nice inter interview, and that was the handshake, and the moment where our trust began to build, um, because for the Navy, 
they had to trust a civilian pilot to be within close proximity while maneuvering around these aircraft, doing things, flying these aircraft to the limit. And that's a big, that's a big ask, and it's a lot of trust. And I don't discredit that whatsoever. So that was the first meeting. And we came back, and the Navy said, okay, hey, look, we like Kevin. We like everything he said. We're ready to progress. And from there, uh, the rest is history. And, you know, by the, the end of the movie, um, I'm civilian. I'm a very patriotic civilian, and, and I have a – it's almost a newfound appreciation for our servicemen and women – but I felt so very connected to the Navy uh, and the pilots and the men and women that fly and support those aircraft. Um, it was the closest to being a Navy fighter pilot that I'll ever be. Um, and, that, and, you know, what they do is far beyond anything I do, right? I make, I make pretty pictures and they defend our freedom just to be, you know, put that out right. there. But I just, uh, I, I loved being ingrained in the day-to-day operations on base and seeing what they do. They are professionals, and in my mind, they're all heroes. Well, what's really interesting to me about Top Gun Maverick, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but there's multiple different kinds of planes in the film. It starts the the scene opens with with Tom Cruise being a test pilot, uh, flying hopefully to Mach ten. Now, that aircraft, what is that aircraft? Was was that was that aircraft real, or was that a conceit yeah, of the movie? Yeah, I don't movie? know. Are we, are, are, uh, I'm make sure. Are we uh, are we okay talking about those type of things? I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, we can when, because uh, this will air after the movie comes out. So okay, um, there are uh, there are aircraft in the movie. Here's here's the best way to put this, and and this is definitely a tip of the hat to Tom. Everything in the movie has to be realistic. Every aircraft we shoot, whether it exists or is going to exist or uh, it exists but is not readily available in the United States, had to be a real aircraft. Okay. Well, with that said, every time you see an aircraft in the movie, know that underneath that aircraft that's probably reskinned CGI is an actual real aircraft. And for the aviation buffs and, and the people who appreciate that, what that does is that makes the flight dynamics realistic. Yes. So when we're watching this on camera, you're going to see that futuristic aircraft go by, the one you're speaking of right now, and you're going to go, man, that looked really good. Well, that's a dude. wind effect and everything is crazy. I got to tell you, I was watching this going, I've never seen this plane. This thing is awesome, and it looked so real when it's flying. I'm like, I'm like, is that a real plane? But it makes sense that it's reskinned. I totally, okay. That because it feels. Yeah, but how it, exciting is that for for the viewers knowing that we never shot blank sky. Right, oh, no, you, oh, you can tell. You, you you can absolutely tell. Yep. Um, but now let me ask you this: So when you're going to decide to do this, do you get your pick of what aircrafts you you wanted to use? Did you use the F-18 because that's what the Navy's predominantly flying now? Uh, you know, that's that's definitely more of a Paramount and Tom, Joe Kaczynski, Jerry Bruckheimer right. call. I think the thought process there is the F-18 is still an aircraft that they're building today, uh, the newer Super Hornets. And it is an incredible aircraft that is very capable. And it was very much so readily available for the production company. Right. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it was an excellent choice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was just curious if, if like, you know, you've got you. You have a whole like, oh, we want to use this plane or this plane, this plane. You know, if, and, and, I mean, it was beautiful, and they're they're so photogenic as well. 
and I think that that's they uh, are they incredible uh, aircraft. Incredible, and they they looked incredible. One, oh, it's just. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you, Rob. I was just going to say one more tip to the Navy is that they, you know, they definitely, you know, from a public affairs and, and accountability side, the production company had to acquire and pay for the time and usage of everything we did. The, right. And the Navy did everything in their power to make sure that if an aircraft was available and not doing, you know, its mission that it needs to be doing, that it was available to the movie. And they did a really good job at that. No, it was, it was amazing. I, I'm just, as a, I, I'm an independent producer myself, I just kept thinking about the logistics. Like, how do you book an aircraft carrier? <laughs> like, you, you, do, do, you've got, you've, you've now got Ferg helping you out. So, and he can make, I guess, those calls. But like, did you guys like the aircraft carrier stuff? Was that was that second unit or was that uh, a unit, first unit? Uh, how did you? Well, no, how it was did... both. I mean, the the talent was out there on the aircraft carriers, and so was second unit. Um, how they book an aircraft carrier that is way above my pay grade as an aerial <laughs> coordinator. I, I just know, uh, you know, if they had a Ferg, that's Ferg making a bunch of phone calls and emails, and things get set up and done. For me, it's Kev. Hey. We have the USS Theodore Roosevelt or whatever available on this date. We need you to shoot this batch of shots. Which platform do you want to use? I work with my aerial DPs and we go, okay, hey, we want to use the Phenom 300 for that because we're going to be 275 miles offshore and I don't want to be out there in an L-39 with one engine. And, right. um, you know, we, we just choose the right platform and we go out there and get it done. And, and that was, man, let me tell you, that was pretty special. I think... I heard rumors that I, I am or one of the only civilians that got approved to shoot approaches uh, to a carrier. Um, of course, I had Ferg right in the jump seat right between us, but talking to the LSO and calling the ball in a, in a civilian aircraft and flying right down to the deck is an experience I'll never forget and I'll probably never get to do again. Uh, but man, let me tell you, it created some amazing imagery. Well, I, I have to say, you know, when... When they do special effects sequences, they do pre-visualization. They storyboard them out. Now they do animatics. So you can see what it's going to look like when they have the finished effect shots. How do you go about planning aerial choreography for a movie like Top Gun Maverick? Because, my God, not only was the flying incredible, but the, the, the things that you were do the actual maneuvers themselves were like, oh, my God, I didn't even know planes could do that. I mean, it was terrifying. How did you? How do you start? How it you... was awesome. Oh, uh, it starts. It starts from the beginning. You know, I love the old saying: "Prep hard, shoot easy." Um, Joe Kaczynski and Tom were very adamant that we needed to build an aerial menu book, if you will, of the most exciting, exhilarating angles and moves that these F-18s and the camera platforms that I'm flying were capable of doing. Mm. Um, and, and we needed to figure out the best way to tell this amazing story and, and what moves and angles and, and ways we can fly these aircraft would assist in doing that. It, it really, I mean, Joe came out the other day, uh, I don't know if you remember and said that they shot something like 800 hours of yep. aerial footage and that is 100% true. Um, it felt like more than that to me, to be honest. Um, but we took like the 1% of that 800 hours the perfection, the, the <laughs> perfect shots to make this movie. Uh, we, there was just a massive effort put in to that everything we did not only needed to be this buildup throughout the movie, so it just keeps people on the edge of their seats, 
which it still does to me when I watch it. But it, everything needed to be perfect. The lighting needed to be perfect. The background needed to be perfect. Where are we going to go in the country to find the most dynamic, crazy background? Uh, the aircraft needed to be perfect. The loadouts, the weaponry, the helmets, the flight suits, um, you name it. Not to mention the cameras and the lenses, like the best quality there, there was that we can fly. That's the cool thing about Top Gun Maverick to me is everything needed to be perfect. Uh, and that stress, that, that stressor to hit those marks is what we see on the film. It's why the trailers look so incredible and it's why the movie's getting such good reviews. Aside from the fact that, you know, the, the acting and the, the performance that the talent gave is phenomenal. Um, so that's what's cool. I mean, this movie has an, an amazing story and it's being portrayed amazingly by, by the cast. Uh, and then it, we throw in there the best aerials that anybody's ever seen before. It's a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I, I was seeing Doctor Strange the other day in IMAX, and before the movie, they showed a, a, a chunk of Top Gun, like it was like five minutes, five or six minutes of that extended training sequence with the push-ups, and uh, in IMAX, and it's just jaw-dropping. I mean, on that gigantic screen, and I, you know, I, I just was sitting there thinking, my God. How the planning that went into this and the, the choreography and like did, did did you ever do you talk to pilots did they come up with things like hey you know we you know what I've always wanted to do did, did, was there any was oh my god any- yeah <laughs> yeah I mean but and that's I gotta say it again from the very beginning that's one of the beautiful things about Tom is that he involves everybody in their creativity he kind of forces you to be the best you can be and that's the people he surrounds himself with so to your point even the naval aviators on the film, you know, we'd be talking about an aerial sequence and when once somebody would raise their hand and go, you know, in the F-18, if we do this left, right, center, whatever with the pedal, the thing does this, spits a bunch of vapor out and turns around and we go, yes, that's amazing. What's that called? Can we do that? How do we show that? So uh, creativity, as you know, in the motion picture business is, is huge. And, you know, you never know everything, even in aviation. That's my philosophy. We're always learning, right? You're never done learning. And you never know the people around you and what they could potentially offer to the final product. And I think we engaged our entire team, including the naval aviators, uh, to you know be able to give us ideas and and tweaks and everything that made the final product what it is. No, it was it was just spectacular. And I, what I I loved also about the movie was the men on the mission aspect of it. I've always loved when you bring a team together. The team has to gel, and you, they have to learn how they work together. And there's all the swagger and the bravado. And I loved, I loved all of the secondary characters that that Maverick had to lead into, essentially lead into battle. And and those training sequences, like you were talking about, when you're flying through those canyons, low, and I, I, I it's just jaw dropping. How do you? Obviously, safety is a big concern for you as well. How do you begin to control something like that? How can you you can control safety when you've got planes flying at speed so close to the ground or in and around? Do you, I mean I would be petrified if I were you at every moment. How do you how do you how do you cope no, and how I, do you make it, sure it's safe? Well, that's that's my job as an aerial coordinator, and and as the aerial coordinator, it wasn't just me alone. You know, I had the Navy version of their aerial coordinators. I had Ferg and. Uh, another gentleman, Chris Papiano, Pops was highly involved, but but the way we work is we think of the 
craziest thing we can do, right? What is the craziest thing we can show and entertain the audience with? And then how do we get there? How do we either de-risk it to the extent possible where it can still be done safely? Um, we always say to ourselves, if there's doubt, there's no doubt. So if there's any doubt that something could go wrong, we don't do it. But what we love doing is we will train in an aerial stunt, either with the Navy or civilian assets, to perfection. And we like excellence and repetition, right? So when we're hitting our marks and we're going through those canyons and those F-18s are doing that, that's excellence and repetition. They went through there hundreds of times. We never just mobbed through there out of the first take. There's the crawl, walk, run mentality, and we use that all the time. You know, they'd start at 300 feet and, you know, a certain airspeed, and then that would come down lower, lower, faster, faster, until we got to a place where we said, hey, this is it. That's as low as we can go, and that's as fast as we can go and still maintain safety. At the same time, we're creating an excellent shot. And it's really that mentality. I mean, that's what Paramount trusts me to do. When Paramount hires me as the aerial coordinator, they say, well, here's the deal. We know Kevin's going to go out there and help us create the most dynamic, craziest aviation stunts and sequences we can imagine. But we also know that Kevin's going to make sure that not only the airplane's not going to get damaged, but our people come home every night. And that's that's what we do. Um, if there's ever a time where something has a safety there, where there is doubt, we figure out a different way to do it. We move the camera into a different spot. We move the airplane into a different spot. We don't sacrifice the shot per se. What I love thinking is that we just find a different way to do it. And sometimes it's even better so that we do not compromise safety. That is my job as an aerial coordinator, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just, it, it was terrifyingly spectacular to watch, to watch these shots. Now, there are scenes of aerial combat in the film when you see the, like the, the countermeasures that the planes can use to evade incoming missiles and things like that. When you're doing something like that, I would imagine that's kind of expensive, isn't it? When you're blowing off those flares, I mean, or were you doing it? Is that all real? Uh, there's certain places in the movie where we were approved to deploy uh, flares, and and you say expensive, and trust me, Paramount paid for everything we utilized and did on that movie. Um, um, but for the most part, a lot of that is enhanced. So we're seeing absolutely real flying aircraft. We're seeing a lot of real vapor. We're seeing real maneuvers. Um, and obviously those missiles in the air and things that we can't do for oh, real. Oh, right. Yeah, That's of course. That's where CGI comes into play. Well, it was so, yeah. I mean, the, the uh, usually, to me, the best visual effects are always ones that combine live action with enhancement. But with this, it's clear that all the, the planes are, like you said earlier, that are they're really, they're in, they're in the air. I mean, you can't duplicate. One of the hardest things... I always thought growing up, as much as I love watching movies with planes in them, it never looked real. Like Air Force One, yeah, it just, it never, you could never make plane, because we all know what real planes look like. And I think Top Gun Maverick was the very first time in any movie where I'm like, this is seamless. There's, this is, this is, it looks absolutely real. And I think that's one of the great joys of the film is you can tell that, it is real aircraft, and they they are dancing around in the skies around each other. And it is, I mean, it's just one of the most exhilarating things that I've ever seen. I mean, I, I not to wax too rhapsodic about it, but what you guys did was was really incredible. And, you know, there's not a lot of fast cutting either. There is, I mean, there's some of that, but you linger on these shots. You've got some shots that really, and and the scope and the scale of those shots, a lot of the time they use a lot of quick cutting to hide things. Not in this movie. 
I mean, you're you're. I love those lingering shots in the cockpit when when Maverick takes off off the deck of a carrier. It doesn't cut away. <laughs> you're looking at him in the. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we got to give credit to. I mean, that's that's Eddie Hamilton, our amazing editor, and Joe Kaczynski style right there, but. I feel like they do such a good job when we need to be wide and show the audience where we are, what's happening, let these shots breathe a little bit, but they also really know how to make an energetic sequence and, uh, and get in there. So that's, that's a true testament to experience um, when it comes to editing. And Eddie, uh, let me tell you, we got the best of the best for this movie. Well, you know, that begs the question, when you are shooting what are some of the like you've got planes going in one direction you have another plane everything's constantly moving what are some of the difficulties and pitfalls of of aerial photography in terms of techniques um what are the things that you have to look out for and what makes things easier or harder while you're shooting rob that's a it's a good question i don't get that asked very much so from an aerial coordinator and camera pilot who comes from both helicopter and jet and i did both on the movie things get a little different when you're in the jet. Now I love the jet platform because it's, it's very different. It allows the audience to live with the action, right? Instead of these big blow buys that we get in the helicopter, which we use extensively, the jets, another camera platform that will let the audience stick with those F 18s for a little bit. Right. Yeah. So here's what I always tell people, which is very interesting when the aerial DPs and I are in there, our set, whatever we're using, our background, we're moving at 300 miles an hour, sometimes 350 miles an hour. So, I mean, light in background is ever changing and it changes fast and you eat up a lot of real estate. What I find with the jet flying, and I'm lucky that I started so young flying camera jets, is it's really the planning that goes into it, right? Right into the briefing. So when we're sitting across from Joe Kaczynski and Tom and Claudio, the DP, and we're talking about our sequences that we're gonna go get, it's really just the mental fortitude and writing down on your kneeboard, Okay, here's our creative. What are we gonna go do? We're gonna go get these five shots. Where are we gonna get these five shots? What's the light that we're gonna get these five shots in? You really have to have an understanding of where you need to live in space with the jet because you're traveling through it fast. Okay, so once you know you're creative, now you talk about the logistics. Well, how do we get there? What's our frequencies? What's our formations? Um, what's the weather? What's the airspace? All those things. And you end with safety and safety's paramount, of course. Uh, and then we go do it. And when you're out there, my job is not only to fly my jet, which needs to just be an extension of my body, my my main job is keeping this gaggle of aircraft, if you will, right. in the right area. So and and I'm you know, I'm saying, hey, that's great. Okay guys, left turn two seven zero, we're gonna go on a base leg here, we're gonna backtrack, and then on the downwind I'm giving them notes. Hey, next time we do that, I need you to look back over your left shoulder. I need the control surfaces to swing heavier. I need a bigger pull. So on the downwind we're going through all these notes. We turn back in, we find our hero terrain again, and you get the three, two, one action, and we're in to our shot. So you cover a lot of terrain. It's timely. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of fuel and energy. Typically, by the time you land in the jets, you get out, and you're, you're sweaty, and you're tired. You've got a huge smile on your face because typically we just came back with really cool stuff, and we go into a debrief, and, and we talk about what worked and what didn't work. But I love that you asked that because the jet platform is very interesting in that you're traveling and using up so much terrain so fast, whereas the helicopter will strategically you know, put the helicopter in and amongst the terrain. I love, uh, and so does you know, Mike Fitzmaurice and David Knoll, the other the DPs, 
it's really fun to sell speed. It's very easy to make an aerial shot look slow, floaty, and boring. And that's exactly what we would not want to do for this movie. So in order to sell speed, you got to get things in between your shot. You need reference. You need trees, you know, cruising by and right. rocks. And, you know, these guys are going 500 knots, 500 miles an hour. How do we show the audience that they're ripping through there that fast? And it becomes a bit of an aerial ballet for the camera shift, making sure that we're not only putting foreground in there, but sometimes I'm countering their move. Uh, and then obviously the close proximity is always helping when we do those big flash buys. So uh, I hope I answered your question there. I know it was a little bit long-winded, but I think it was a really valid, good question. No, not, not at all. Well, now let me, are they called sorties? Like when you go up to shoot, what, what is the name yeah. of them? We call them sorties. In, you do. In, so Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so how many how many sorties would you do in a day, and how long would each sortie last? Great question. Depends on the camera platform, but typically we would never do more than two a day, and that's that's a fatigue thing. Right. Uh, they really just take a lot out of you mentally and physically, uh, and we never wanted to push any of our pilots, camera pilots or picture ship pilots, over a two sortie day. In a two sortie day, that is a big day. Um, there's a lot that needs to happen for the talent. There's makeup and hair and wardrobe. There's the PR shop where they're getting, you know, dressed in their parachute and all their rigs and helmets. There's at least two hours of briefing, creative logistic and safety briefing prior to going flying. Uh, and then there's an hour debrief and time to shovel lunch down in the middle of the day. And then you start over and you do it all over again. And then we need to make sure at the end of the day, we're trying to get our people a good, you know, rest so that they're charged and ready for the next morning. So the days are very long on a two-sortie day, and we do call them sorties. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, a little fun fact for everybody listening and watching, um, you know, our amazing cast, uh, it was, if you think about it, they're really in these F-18s. They're really out there doing these maneuvers. Um, so imagine trying to act and, and focus on the story, and at the same time, you're out there pulling seven and a half Gs, you're low-level doing five or six hundred knots that's mind-boggling to me i mean i couldn't do that if i wanted to that's that's the uh that's pretty incredible so what we would do is we'd lay out these knee boards we'd brief and we would talk about the creative sequences and we'd say okay we're gonna go get phase one right now and phase one is this story point and then we're gonna go to phase two and phase three and phase four and we'd fill a knee board up with this creative um that we would go out and those would be our sorties and it would keep us all on the same page so you know, where kneeboard typically for, you know, naval aviators is probably mostly tactical stuff and training stuff. And a kneeboard for civilian pilots is full of routing and frequencies. Our kneeboards were full of Top Gun Maverick creative story points, and that was really cool. Uh, and then we would go out and we'd go get them. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things about the, the movie is it, 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 it does have a lot of great story points, especially in the training maneuvers, because you've got the characters competing against one another and and you guys did a great job of capturing uh, that's another thing i thought was pretty marvelous seeing these actors you're like they're not on a green screen they're in that they're in that they're in that aircraft and and you could tell and it was it was just i was astonished by this movie um not just the flying i mean the, the movie's actually i cried in this movie 
uh, unexpectedly. I, I yeah, I'm I, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I like Blake being tough and all, but I, the second time I've seen it, the second time that something's got in my eye in the theater. I don't know how that. Yep, I don't know. I, you know, and what's really what I thought was really interesting about the film is, I mean, the first movie is a confection. You know, it's 1986. Tony Scott coming off of a a commercial. It's 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 a lot of fun, but it's a confection. Whereas this movie had a real sense of, I thought, the Maverick character. Tom Tom Cruise is a great actor, but he brought to it a real sense of melancholy and the idea that there is a period of time, not just in his own life, but in the life of our, our armed forces, the Air Force, the Navy, uh, where flying is, is really on the precipice of, of, of a change as drone technology takes over. And that that sense of a changing of the guard, so to speak, permeated the film. And I, I found it surprisingly emotional oh, yeah. and, and affecting, not just certain character beats, but the overall tone and feel of the movie, it had a lot more going on than I expected it to. And that was surprising to me. I mean, I thought, I love the first Top Gun, but I would never say this is the greatest movie ever made. But Top Gun Maverick is a really great film. I mean, it's it's a great combat film. It's a great character study. It's a great men on a mission and women on a mission movie. It works on so many levels, but it also, at the end of the day, it has a lot of heart, and that was surprising to me. I mean, I know that's uh, – and I think that the photo- the aerial photography added to that because, like you said, it was con- – you were constantly – there's great aerial stunts and things like that, but the, you really used aerial photography to create character moments. And I thought that was surprising because normally, you know, you can always tell like, okay, they're shooting these shots, but then the, the, the main character is on a stage in a, in a set, you know, they're in a cockpit set or something. And it's really hard to have, uh, have that work. But in this movie, the aerial photography, you were capturing character moments. And I was blown away by that. I mean, I oh, guess one hundred percent. You're you're one hundred percent right. Now, when it, your it, mandate, just, you know, Tom's one of my. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, you know, Tom Tom is probably my all time favorite actor. But you gotta admit, I felt like his performance in this movie was like impeccable. Like he played, he played these story points. And you're right, the movie's heavy. The story's heavy, um, and very engaging. And I feel like Top Gun Maverick isn't going to just play to the aviation buffs and, and the aviators no. of the world. The story alone in this movie, it's a competition film, um, and it's, it's, it's extremely engaging, I find. I, I, think, I think the entire world is going to find interest uh, in this movie and its story and how it's played. No, I mean, absolutely. But I, I was curious, like, when you're talking about these story points that you have to hit... I mean, it's one thing you're going up and getting story points, but you guys got performance too. Like, was Kaczynski, was Joseph Kaczynski going up with you guys, and was he was he direct? Did he ever direct uh, these thing, these things during these sorties to get those those character moments, or was that all left up to your aerial unit? Well, think of this: there's there's two seats in an F-18, so you have a pilot and you have an actor. There's no director up there, right? So, you know, what I loved every day was seeing how Joe directed the cast uh, when we were setting up these knee boards and going through these phases. Uh, Joe is just he's very personable. He's very engaged. And the one thing that I love watching him do is bring out the best in all of the cast and everybody around him. 
uh, and it was it was a beautiful thing to sit there in the debriefs and watch all of the footage when they would come back and they would, you know, like, we need your brow furred a little bit more. We need, you know, we need a little bit more intensity here. We need this. I mean, wow, okay. every, every internal cockpit piece of footage is a story point. Right. There's no, you know, we're not doing this on the ground. Our actors are up in the air. Yeah. So watching Joe direct and prep those actors to go up in the airplane and hit these story points was, was awesome. Um, and they did such a good job. And Tom was, was so hands-on with this. Tom was there as well, teaching them about sound checks. I mean, the actors were doing so much more than I feel like they normally do, right? They were in charge of their makeup up there. They had little mirrors tucked in their flight suits before <laughs> the cameras would roll. They would be checking their makeup and then they'd put that mirror away and then they would do sound checks on their, you know, there's nothing, nobody up there with them. And then the here's the cool thing. I love this part too the actors were having to tell the Navy pilots where to go. And they did it so good. They'd say, guys, uh, listen, for this sequence, I need the sun. Claudio, Miranda, and Joe said I need the sun at my 4 o'clock. And <laughs> I need to be in a 6G turn. Our cast members were doing that. So think of the the control and freedom that the cast members had based on the direction and training that Joe Kaczynski and Tom had given them. That's what's incredible about this is that so much effort went into the briefings so that by the time the actors are up there in the air, they're out there capturing these story points. And that's what we see on camera. Not to mention, and I know, uh, I don't know if it's okay for me to segue into this, but you've heard about uh, what Joe and Jerry Brookheimer and Paramount really wanted to do was make sure that these actors looked the part. And to do that, we put them through basically an aviation school. Right. Yeah, um, they've been saying that. that. Tom was very yeah. much so. So uh, Tom basically engaged me to help him uh, write a training program and curriculum starting in a Cessna 172, which was very fun because my dad and I did that together for, our, for the cast and started training them. And then we graduated them into an extra 300, uh, which was run and flown by Chuck Coleman, a dear friend of mine. And then finally, we moved him into the L-39, which is the same platform as the Cinejet, of course. And we utilized Randy Howell's Patriot Jet Team. Uh, and their pilots up there, and, and our actors got to fly in jets and maneuver in full G's. So by the time they got to the F-18, they were pros, and they were amazing. I mean, we had to get them their G tolerance and get their spatial disorientation checked to a point where they get in the back of those F-18s and focus on the very story points that you and I are talking about right now and not focus on, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going 500 knots and we're this low. They looked like aviators and i remember the the fun thing for us when we were debriefing every time and watching dailies in the footage i would be fooled that they were not flying the aircraft you know you would look at their eye lines of where they're looking when they're maneuvering our, our cast and this and their switchology of where they were putting their hands and as an aviator and even the naval aviators in the room we'd go man it looks like you're driving it looks like you're flying <laughs> it looks incredible uh and that's that's really cool yeah, I mean, it, it, and it, it really comes through. Um, were there any were there any crazy stories or, or things that happened out of the ordinary that you can talk about, or or just things that you might have pulled off or trying to do something that maybe you pushed things a little far because it was cool to do so, and you got away with doing something that you weren't supposed to do? No, I, I got to say, you know, never once on Top Gun Maverick with the hundreds of hours that we flew in the Navy and civilian assets did we ever come back and, and go, we shouldn't have done that. And that's a testament to our planning, uh, our safety, and our creativity. I think we I think we really hit the mark there. Uh, but here's what I will tell you. Um, and as an aerial coordinator, uh, 
you have to understand how to work with moments of opportunity. I feel like this exists with, with anything in the camera department, right? And what I'm talking about here is light, uh, lighting and background. So you brief to the nth degree what you're gonna go do. You brief to the nth degree the logistics of how you're gonna go out there and do it. And you brief to exhaustion uh, the safety aspect of it all and anything that could happen or, or could change things. And when you're out there, there needs to be the freedom to go, I know we're supposed to be here right now, but I'm looking over there and there's these rays coming through these clouds and there's that canyon right there. Let's pick up and go over there. We'll go check it and we'll go work over there. That's the kind of freedom you have to have. And if you, if you compartmentalize yourself mm. too much, then, then you're really handcuffing yourself because you're up there with so much potential. And as long as you're briefed, long as you're safe, and as long as you know your mission parameters and what you're doing, if you can capitalize on those moments of opportunity, you're going to come back with gold. And there's tons of times we did that. I mean, I, flying with Tom, for example, and Tom flew on the movie, he's an amazing aviator, and he has that ability. You know, even even to suggest it and go, hey, Kev, look at that. You know, we should be right here. Go look at this spot. Um, and that's very fun for me. That's how I love to work, and I feel like that makes aerial photography magic really yeah i mean i loved seeing the 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 mustang the p51 that's in the movie obviously it's also in the lady gaga music video um and was that his plane or was that i mean that was one that's his mustang that is one gorgeous aircraft i mean sure is man and i just love seeing it you know seeing it flying the movie it was it was it was fantastic but so do you have i don't know is there is there a guiding philosophy behind aerial photography in terms of what makes great aerial photography great and what are you what are you looking for i guess it's kind of an esoteric question but are there tricks of the trade i guess ways to shoot things it's a it's a great question and top gun maverick nailed it so here is the the kevin larosa aerial special sauce if you will okay you have to mix the the platforms to tell the story and you have to choose the right platforms to tell the story so on top gun maverick we used camera mounts internal and external so now the audience is riding on the f-18s and that's a you keep hearing the word but there's no better word that's visceral when you're riding on those things and the and the control surfaces are moving the airframe is shuddering there's nothing more real than that. You're nope. strapped to the F-18. There's the internal cameras. Now we're getting our actors' faces, the distortion. You can't act that, you know what I mean? And and all those story points of inside the F-18. Uh, ground photography. You need to strategically place ground cameras on long lenses and wide lenses and get those massive blow-bys to get all that energy. Um, helicopter. That's a dissimilar platform. How does a helicopter fly in formation with an F-18? It absolutely doesn't. It creates the sense of speed. It's a dynamic platform where we get in the mix of the trees and the rocks and the snow, and we send those F-18s by us with afterburners and low to the ground, and that creates those huge wow moments when those things blow by camera. And then finally, jet to jet. And those jet platforms like the L-39 Cinejet and the Phenom camera jet, that lets us live with the platform or it allows us to be in a massive formation and be a little wider and show the audience, where are we in the world? Who, where is everybody? And they get a little bit of the lay of the land and they can understand what's happening. You mix all of those things together and you get Top Gun Maverick. Um, so that costs a lot of money. 
that takes a lot of people. It takes the village that I was telling you about. But man, does it make a good aerial storytelling platform. Well, I mean, saying you knocked it out of the park is a massive understatement <laughs> because I, 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 it, it certainly has to be a benchmark in aerial photography. I, I, I mean, I was thinking back to like movies like Le Mans from the 60s or, or Grand Prix, you know, when they started putting cameras on Formula One cars to get those dynamic photo, that photography that you'd never seen because you're always looking at stuff from from the sidelines i mean now you see more of it but i remember yeah. being a kid going wow <laughs> you know and this 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 reminded me of that like I, my jaw was open a lot of this movie i mean it's just it's it's and you know you know what that means to us though we love that and here you want to know a fun thing I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite things that i cannot wait to do with this movie uh i can't wait to go to the movie theater by myself and sit in the theater with a bunch of strangers uh, and just immerse myself in the audience experience. There is nothing better for me than watching people enjoy and, you know, laugh and cry uh, at what we did. It was a year of blood, sweat and tears by hundreds and hundreds of people in this movie. And there's nothing cooler for me than watching the general public be entertained by it. And I know I speak on behalf of everybody that I got to work on in the movie. Uh, especially people that played a much bigger role than I did. That's the best part of this. And 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 it must have been incredibly frustrating because this was one of the early casualties of the pandemic. It got pushed from its original release date like two years. So you had to wait and wait and wait. And, and boy, is it worth the wait, man. And uh, kudos to Paramount for not capitulating and putting it on their streaming platform. Because, my God, if any movie oh, deserves... Oh, if, if any movie deserves to be seen in the theater and in IMAX, it's this movie. I mean, it's just... It's this movie. This movie is on a... It's its just big. It's, you know, it's epic and huge, and it's on this whole other scale. Um, so you need to see it with amazing sound. When the F-18s start up and your seat rumbles, you need to feel that. Oh. Um, you know, it's like the only thing we're missing in there is the smell of jet fuel. So I just, I can't stress enough, go see it in the best theater with the biggest sound you could possibly see if you want the true experience oh i i couldn't agree with you more and i'm i i have tickets there's a fan event i want to say it's on the 23rd you know and i'm seeing it at the chinese theater there in their imax screen i'm seeing it again you know i couldn't get i couldn't get new more tickets fast enough to see it a second time and um i'll be there on the 25th watching it again yeah it's it's just uh, it's unbelievable well kevin let me ask you um, we always ask people to talk about if somebody wants to follow in your footsteps. I mean, you, you have a very specialized, unique background. But say somebody is looking to getting into something like this. I guess they have to devote a lifetime of being an aviator to doing that. But is there any advice you could, you could give to people that might be looking, you know, younger people that might be looking in this direction for a career choice? That is a really good question. Um it's a very niche career. It is a very, uh, it's an interesting career in that it's built a lot off who you know and the trust of those people that know you. But before you get to that level, have a plan for what you want to be. My plan was I wanted to be the best aerial coordinator in the world that was proficient and an expert in a lot of different platforms. 
jets, helicopters, airplanes, warbirds, drones. And, and that's a lot to undertake. You don't need that. I mean, you could just say, hey, I want to be a, an amazing camera helicopter pilot or I want to be a jet pilot. I wanted to be this very round, round you know, well-rounded uh, aerial coordinator where my customers said, hey, when we bring Kevin in, he's going to do everything on this movie because he's going to be the best at it. Uh, that's been my dream my entire life. So have a plan. And, and when you have that plan, you got to build up to it. Just the same advice my dad gave me, I will give to anybody that, you know, wishes to do something similar that I do. Go be the best aviator you could possibly be. In order to do that, you need to fly with as many pilots as possible. You need to fly many different missions. You need to immerse yourself in aviation. So about the time you get to a place where you can start flying camera, that is an extension of your body. The aircraft, you don't even think about it anymore. You know that aircraft so well, in and out, the emergency procedures, the normal procedures, the limitations, it is so ingrained in you that you're gonna fly that camera and focus on that shot and that aircraft is second nature. That's that's the where you need to get. And then you need to understand movies. You need to understand <clears throat> composing shots and cameras and angles and uh, in lighting. And when you can mix all that stuff together, you're starting to get to a place where you could be an effective aerial coordinator or camera pilot or stunt pilot. Uh, there's just so many different aspects that go into this very niche job um, that I, I love them all. And that'd be my advice is just immerse yourself in all of them uh, and become a consummate professional and a trustworthy individual. Um, and then I think the rest will happen on its own. Now, do you have a social media presence at all? Can people follow you on Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, sure, Rob. Thanks. Um, I do uh, actually put a lot of behind the scenes on my Instagram page. It's uh, K2 underscore LaRosa. And the last name is L-A-R-O-S-A. So K2 underscore LaRosa. I do a little bit on Facebook, but usually Instagram is, is where I like putting all my behind the scenes uh, stuff. I do have a website, uh, www.kevinlarosa.com. Uh, thanks. Well, Kevin LaRosa, this has been an amazing uh, insight into the making of, of Top Gun Maverick and, and your career. I, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show because this is such a change of pace for us, and I think it's been fascinating. I think people are going to love this episode. So thank you for your time. I'm honored to be on here, Rob. Uh, loved your questions and uh, would love to come back one day. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I'd love to have you back. I can't wait. What do you have? Uh, what do you have coming up next? So I uh, was lucky enough, actually, Glenn Powell, who's a dear friend of mine and, and, a, and a phenomenal actor. I think he's a, I think he's a superstar right now. But I think Glenn Powell's limits are endless of what we're going to be seeing him do. Uh, but I was lucky enough to do another aviation film with him that we're going to start seeing after Top Gun Maverick, and that movie's called Devotion. Uh, it's another Navy movie, but what's really special about this movie is it is a true story. Uh, about some true heroic naval aviators, um, and uh, and I think people are going to get a, a very different sense. This is a, a a story that many people don't know about. Uh, there's a book written by my friend Adam Makos who uh, tells the story beautifully, um, and uh, this is going to be a Sony black label media movie, uh, and they did an amazing job. And they basically said, "Hey, we want the Top Gun team that made Top Gun so special do all of our aerials." 
So the world should expect more practical, real flying and real stunts in this next movie, which would be awesome. And I should say that Glenn Powell plays Hangman in Top Gun Maverick, and he is fantastic in the movie. I guess you could he call him. It. He is amazing. You, you could call him an antagonist, I guess, and he is he is great. Mm-hmm. He uh, he has the perfect look, the perfect swagger, the perfect self satisfied grin. He was great in the movie. I, I was a big fan of his. I can't think of anybody better to play that part. Oh, well, Kevin Larosa. I guess Kevin Larosa the second. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Well, thank you for being on the Designing Hollywood podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Fox Studios Costumes. With an extensive array of costumes and textiles from all eras, the Fox Onlot Warehouse provides customers an opportunity to turn their ideas into works of art. A special thanks to our producer and founder, Martika Ibarra, and of course, our co-founder, legendary costume designer, Marilyn Vance, and our new partner, John Campia of the John Campia YouTube channel. Thank you to all of our viewers for tuning in and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that notification button and you can find the Designing Hollywood podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also on iTunes. Follow me, Robert Meyer Burnett, on Instagram, on Twitter at BurnettRM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. Thanks for watching. We very much appreciate it.